Leading Ladies, a concert in celebration of Women's History Month featuring Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L. King, Christina Perry. At the King's Theater in Brooklyn, New York on Wednesday, March 20th. Tickets are on sale now. You don't want to miss this amazing night of music dedicated to uplifting women's voices. With Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L. King, and Christina Perry. Odyssey's Leading Ladies presented by Olay Body. Buy your tickets now at kingstheater.com. Andy Brickley of Nesson joins us. Bruins losing the shootout last night. Thankfully, no shootouts in the postseason. But will there be a Dennis Seidenberg in the postseason, Brick? The Herald today has a source saying that yeah, he got on the ice yesterday. At, well, we ask you this every couple of weeks, but have you heard the same thing, that he went through a skate yesterday and that Dennis Seidenberg might be able to rejoin this team later on in the postseason? Well, being on the road and not being around Dennis Seidenberg and, uh, and whether he's skating or not, I don't have first-hand knowledge other than the same stories that you're hearing, that he did get on the ice and that he's way ahead of schedule. And if there was an athlete that would be ahead of schedule, it would be Seidenberg because of his, his strength, his power, and his conditioning and just the way he, he takes care of himself away from the rink on a daily basis. So I guess that is uh, hopeful news, but again, uh, I side on the on the side of the argument that says uh, he's a long way from playing an NHL playoff game right now. Yeah, and you think about it, you know, later on in the postseason without playing all that much, it's to expect him to log the big minutes. Can you keep like a sixth defenseman and limit his ice time and almost wean himself into it in the postseason, say Eastern Conference Finals? I just find it so difficult to put a guy that's not a hundred percent, or depending on what percent he is in front of, say, Kevin Miller, who's been getting the job done, who's uh, you know in top form, who's, who's game-ready and ready to go and proven that they have trust in this guy. Uh, does that mean that Dennis Seidenberg isn't somewhere else on the depth chart inside the top six? Uh, I, I almost don't even want to have the conversation, fellas, because I'm not putting him uh, in my lineup right. until I know for sure that this guy's ready to go. Brick, for the first time yesterday, we got some text messages about Jerome McGinley. I think everyone expected, okay, maintenance days, getting some time down, no big deal. But another missed game last night. What have you heard about the injury? It's been reported as as minor for both him and for Kevin Miller as they play these last three games. Yeah, I went to the morning skate yesterday just out of curiosity. You know, they're really trying to manage these guys' rest-to-work ratio. So a lot of days off here when they're when they're traveling, when they're going through time zone issues. Uh, and went to the morning skate early because to, 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 you wanted to see what they were going to do if Jerome McKinnon was going to skate, if Kevin Miller was going to skate. They both skated early before the rest of the team. They got a good 20, 25 minutes on the ice with assistant coach Doug Jarvis, went through a number of drills. I thought both guys looked pretty pretty good. They were moving around. Skating was pretty strong. Uh, if this was you know playoff hockey right now, I'm convinced both would be able to play. So it's all about uh, maintenance. It's all about rest. It's all about precautionary. Those are the terms you're going to hear right now. And because the Bruins put themselves in this position, they have the options to, to really focus on the middle of April and not so much on the results and having guys playing right now, especially on this trip. Yeah, it is a beautiful thing that they put themselves in. I mean, last night you got seven defensemen. Krug is there in the, on the wing, I think, first couple periods on the fourth line. And, and I would imagine you need to start shifting lines around. This is something that if it does come up at some point because of injury performance or whatever in the postseason, it's nice to probably get a little bit of a look at this. Yeah, and you can see it does make a difference with their team. Obviously, they're not as strong, they're not as balanced, not as deep, but now they have some options and some versatility and some familiarity if injuries do arise. And of course, Chris Kelly didn't finish the game last night. Uh, we were a little reluctant to speculate what was going on with him. He only played maybe one or two shifts in the third period. 
but you saw all kinds of different line combinations because of the seven defensemen and the, and the one less forward, the 11 forwards. Uh, so Kelly, again, probably falls into that category of precautionary uh, because they want uh, all their all their guys ready to go mentally, physically, emotionally when you get to game one of round one. We're talking to Andy Brickley of Nesson on the road. Bruins play uh, three more games here before the playoffs will start, likely a week from tomorrow, it sounds like. They, the last couple of weeks, Brick, they've been locked in, like you said. They've afforded themselves this great luxury. I, I guess the only question I would have would be sort of the end, the end of these periods you know, and the, and the end of play last night where teams have gotten some late goals Late in periods, end of games. Do you think Claude Julian looks at that and is using these moments to remind these guys that you know, come playoff time, we can't have letdowns as we're getting towards uh, the end of period, end of games? Yeah, if there's enough data there that suggests that this is an issue, obviously the coaching staff has uh, has meetings with their team, their players, uh, the guys that they want on the ice in that situation, a reminder to players that might be on the ice to get off in order to get the guys that he has a little bit more trust and, and reliability with in those situations. And maybe that was the case last night, that they didn't have the personnel on the ice that they wanted in that in, in that instance. Uh, but it's just a trend, I guess, if you want to use that phrase. Uh, you know, you go through different streaks during the regular season where things aren't working or you're making certain mistakes and players need to be reminded. And, and of course, when you get into the playoff situations, expect a lot of tight games, one-goal games, where, where every little detail matters. And that's not just a little detail. That's a major mm-hmm. detail uh, when you get into those uh, late in the periods or the starts of other periods. So uh, I'm sure the players will be reminded of that. And this is a good group. They understand where their mistakes are. But right now, the challenge for them is to really stay focused and stay alert. I think that's the word Jack used last night in the broadcast. Mm-hmm. They had moments where they were not alert. And it just was, you know, if you want to use another term, it was sloppy. If you want to use another term, it's just, you know, their awareness wasn't where it needed to be in certain instances. They competed. They played hard. They wanted to win. They tried to play to win. But it's uh, it's so difficult in these situations when you're saying, what are we playing for? Yeah, this, this team is so locked in, Brick. I really don't think anybody's really concerned about it. I think the other night at Comcast, Kevin Paul DuPont, we were talking about it. One thing he brought up was experience, playoff experience. As a viewer, the playoffs are obviously different. But he said there's not much, but when you think about it, you know, Soderberg, Riley Smith, some of the young defensemen, not much playoff experience. This core kind of been through it enough to kind of bring these guys along and let them know what they're about to be in for? Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, would I like to see the Bruins go get another forward at the deadline that had that kind of experience? Yes, but that doesn't happen. So, you know, you're going to have to rely on guys with very little or almost no experience to play significant roles, and that's not a bad thing, and that's what you try to prepare your players for all year long, try to put them in situations in big games where they have to make plays under duress, they have to defend under duress, and I think they've, uh, the Bruins coaches have done a great job of that to put these guys in that situation to build that trust. If you don't have trust, play it a player to, to, uh, to a coach and coach to player, and you're not going to be an elite team. But I think that's where the Bruins are pretty strong. Hey, Brick, it feels like uh, if the playoffs started tonight that Andre Mazeros would be the defenseman up on the ninth level watching uh, for game one of a playoff series. Do you agree with that? And can he do anything these last three games? Because Claude Julian, is there anything he can do in these last three to, to get himself active? Do you think the decision uh, has likely been made about how they'll approach that first game of the playoffs? Yeah, no, I think he is seventh on the depth chart. Uh, I think that's, um, you know, based on what he's done in a Bruins uniform relative to the six that were playing in front of him before he was acquired. I don't think he's supplanted anybody. You know, I think he still struggles a little bit with the defensive side of the game, 
the Bruins system, the decision-making, uh, not to chase in one-on-one coverage. She's real good when you start thinking about offense and jumping into the play and having a good shot from the point and maybe being an asset on the power play, but uh, I don't think that's what the Bruins were looking for when, when they made that acquisition. You know, the trade yeah, the trade deadline, we're talking about that, right? Top four defensemen. I'm just curious, your analysis of Matt Barkowski kind of since that time. Yeah, I think uh, he's still been a little bit up and down. He, he can have a really good game some nights for 55 minutes, but then he'll make a mistake at a critical time. And that mistake traditionally or, or most commonly has been a wrap around the boards, you know, when he's, when he's under pressure instead of having the poise to make a play or making a better decision and not a simple giveaway. And, but overall, I think his game is elevated. I think anytime there's a healthy competition for ice time and for a spot in the lineup, you're going to get better play from everybody. And I think that's where the Bruins got better with the acquisition of Mazaros because you have to have that pressure from underneath in order to have to fight for your job and your ice time. And, and even though I don't think he's a better player than the six that they had in the lineup, I think the team has been better because of that competition. And Bikowski's a good example. Brick, a couple league issues for you. I want to start with the potential second-round playoff matchup for the Bruins in Tampa Bay. They lose Ben Bishop last night. He left the game. He couldn't finish it. This guy has been lights out this year. And I'm curious, if he were if he were to be hobbled or if he couldn't go the rest of the way and was not available with them in the postseason or not at 100%, how much would you knock down Tampa's chances at beating Montreal in that first round? A lot. He's been a big reason that they are what they are. Uh, you might even put him in the best of the conversation. Um, this kid is, is meant to Tampa what they haven't had the last couple of years, and that's goaltending. And, you know, Lindback, they thought he might be the guy, give him a chance to be the number one. He's not going to fill those shoes, and if they have to rely on him and Nets in a postseason against Montreal, their chances go down a great deal. They're a good team, and they play as a team, and they learn to play without Stamkos and win without Stamkos. But a big part of that is your, is your backbone, and that's your goaltender. And without Bishop, I don't like their chances in that series. You had a couple questions here about the new playoff format. I want to get your thoughts on whether you like like the new playoff format with the two wild cards. And when you look at that first round, I just I don't know something inside. I just don't want. There's no need to play Detroit. I'd rather play Columbus, Brick. They're getting a little bit healthier. There's just no need to play Detroit right now. Yeah, well, careful what you wish for. Columbus is a pretty good hockey team, but I'm with you. You know, Detroit's a little scary, not because they handled the Bruins during a regular season. You know, all the numbers get rolled back to zero when you get into the middle of April, but. Uh, yeah, I think Columbus would be a good matchup for Boston, uh, assuming that that's the way it's going to go. But to answer your original question, I like the format. You know, I think back to the days in the late 80s and early 90s when I was part of the Bruins teams, and you always had to play down out of your division. I think that's where your rivalries are best built. And I really like that style. And I know some good teams are going to get knocked out in the first round. But I like that healthy competition of having to win your division and, and not try to build rivalries through the regular season, but build them through the playoffs. Right, and the last one I'm going to ask you about is a team we're not going to see in the postseason, Toronto. They get shut out last <laughs> night. They're eliminated. Brick, this was a team last year. The trouble they gave the Bruins, I thought for sure we were destined for nice little Toronto-Bruins rivalry somewhere in the postseason. Where does it rank at your scale of uh, uh, surprised, uh, not surprised to shocked that this team is not going to be a playoff team? What happened with the Maple Leafs this year? Well, I thought they were a fringe team. I thought uh, coming into the season that, uh, you know, their learning experience and that coming of age almost in their series with Boston, how much trouble they gave the Bruins a year ago, might lead them to a, a greater level of maturity. But when you watch them play and you see them firsthand and the mistakes that they make and the lack of leadership that they have on the ice, 
Uh, I don't care what kind of a coach you are, you're going to have a difficult time. And if you don't get great goaltending because they just give up opportunity after opportunity after opportunity, now they become that kind of a fringe team. You know, do they have enough offense to offset that kind of play? And it was proven over time, especially in the month of March, that they just couldn't do it at crunch time. And, and I'm, I'm a little bit surprised because I thought they might squeak in. But when you see them firsthand, you know, that's a team that just, it just lacks mental toughness and, and leadership. And until they change some personnel, that's what they're going to be. Three games left in the schedule. Brick is on the road with the Bees, and he will join us as we get set next week for a first-round postseason matchup. Brick, appreciate the time. We'll talk to you then. Okay, fellas. Uh, Andy Brickley, brought to you by Norfolk Power Equipment and by HSA Insurance, 617-779-7937. Mutt and Lou, back after these.